So you might be wondering, hey, who is this guy? I don't know. Uh, some of you guys might know me. Some of you, a lot of you probably don't. Uh, my name is Chris Pletcher. I am the uh, family's pastor here. Yes, I have a family. Uh, I shaved last night, so I look like 23, I think. But um, I'm actually, how old do you think I am? 47. Oh, so he knows back there. 47. I am 36 years old, all right? I'm 36 years old. Fighting Texas Aggie class of 2005. That's right. Um, so that means I was a freshman in the year. Do we have any freshmen here right now? Anybody born? Come on. Um, anybody born in 2001? All right, bro. Yeah. All right. I was a freshman in college when you were when you came. All right. Praise God. Um, but, uh, but man, so I'm the family's pastor here at Antioch, and uh, just love being a part of this community and have the privilege. I, I preached this morning at our morning services and, and was honored to have Mitchell ask me to come and, and share tonight as well. And, man, can I just say, the, my, the years that I was in college, I'm going to share a little bit of my story here in a second, but, but my time at, at A&M just fundamentally redirected the entire course of my life because I, I met Jesus and I figured out how to read the Bible a little bit, and I hung out with people that love God. And it, it fundamentally redirected the, the course of my life. And it's just crazy that here I am, 18 years later, still living in College Station, man, and getting to be a part. It's the greatest city on the planet, y'all. You need to own it, okay? Because look, man, God has a story for this city. And whether you're here for four years or five, or you take a couple of victory laps, I don't know what you're going to do. But you get to be a part of his story for this city while you're in this city. Man, College Station, this town is rowdy. This place is a, a city of, where the nations of the earth come to be transformed. I mean, that is unbelievable. And it's not just, though, because we have a cool university here. It's part of God's prophetic calling on this city, y'all. College Station is where it's at. I, I say this with 100% honesty in my heart. There is not a, another place on the planet where I would rather be living right now to be a part of what God's doing. So, man, just even if it's just a good two, three years you got left, man, just give it all you got. So, so here in church, we've been, the last four weeks, we've been going through this series called Living Stones, all right? It's from 1 Peter chapter 2. And our elder team and our leadership team as a church, as we were seeking the Lord on 2019, it was so clear. It was leading us to this passage in 1 Peter 2. And this word of living stones. And so here we are. It's the fourth week of this series. And guys, I just got to tell you, God is building something in this city, in this church. He is building something. And you are not just wanted, you are needed. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has adopted you to be his and not just to hang out on your own on some some you know, rock out by yourself somewhere, but he has, he has brought you into a house. He has saved you to be a part of something that he's doing and something that he's building. And so I'm pumped. I just got to put a disclaimer on the front end of this thing. So um, I have four kids. Um, I love being a daddy. I've got three boys. They are rowdy. They are energetic. They are amazing. They're precious. 
And I love these boys. And I'm like the, I'm like the snuggle dad, all right? I'm like wrestling my boys. I've kissed the mess out of them. I mean, we're always hugging or something. But from time to time, I've got to like pull my boys into the living room and have like some real talk. You know what I'm saying? It's like I actually had to do it like two hours ago before I came here. <laughs> boys, come here. We need to talk. We sit down. And it is just a moment, a family moment, where I am just clarifying for them, hey, this is this is what it means to be a pletcher. This is what it means to be a part of our family. And so some of this message tonight is really meant for the family. So like, so, so like Antioch's been your home. You're like, this is my church. Like a, this is my church. I know it. So if this is like your first week here, I'm so pumped that you're here. Or if you're like still trying to figure out what your church is, praise God. And you're, I believe you're going to be encouraged tonight. But there's going to be some like direct moments tonight and they're not directed at you. Are you with me? If you're, if you're new and you're checking things out, they're directed at the sons and daughters. Are you with me? Are you guys cool with some real talk? Can you hear that? All right. So, so check it out. Um, I did not grow up with uh, like much Jesus in my life, okay? I did not grow up in a church family, um, and I did not grow up learning how to honor God with my life or follow God or with what, with what pleased God or didn't please God. And so when you don't grow up with a God, you become your God. And so I, for the first 18 years of my life, I was my God. I just did what I wanted to do and what I thought would be fun or cool or whatever. And so with no Jesus in my foundation, I grew up on this like shifting sand, this really unstable life for the first half of my life. I was 18. Thankfully, the gospel kind of got planted in there along the way through some high school outreach ministry, people that were sharing Jesus in my high school. But I came to college, and honestly, my family was broken. I was just kind of wanting to get away, and I came to A&M to do one thing, guys, and that was to live the college life and to party and to do my thing away from my family. That is why I came to this town. But how many know that you might have a plan for your own life, but God has a different plan for your life? God had a different plan for my life in College Station because three weeks into my freshman year, three weeks in, I had pledged this fraternity, all right? Now, I know not everybody in a fraternity is all bad, but I'm just telling you, my reasons for being in a fraternity were all bad, okay? So that was me and my unstable life. And three weeks in, okay, I joined this fraternity. I'm sitting in my dorm room on a Monday night after just the weekend of who knows what, and I'm just, just like crushed with how miserable and empty my life is. All the sin and all the pleasure, whatever, that I could think to try to stuff into the void of my heart, and I'm just sitting there on a Monday night, just empty, just depressed, guilty, lonely, and, and, and the cry of my heart is just, there's got to be more to life than this. And God not like audible voice like, yes, Chris, there's more. Not, not like, okay. But God spoke to me in my heart. He said, yes, Chris, there is more to life. My name is Jesus. Follow me. And I can't explain what happened to that night in my dorm room. I lived at the Callaway house, all right? My freshman year, I can't explain what happened. But I woke up the next day, and I, found, I, I felt God say, find a Bible and read it. I spent the next four days just reading John, trying to figure out 
who is Jesus? What did this guy say? You know, because you can hear your whole life about him from other people, and I'm sure most of you have, but man, until you hear it from his mouth, you know? And so for four days, guys, I, I, just, I just looked at Jesus, but I was still in this fraternity, right? And so I'm like, I would like read the Bible, and I'd have all this peace coming to my life. I'm like, wow, this Jesus guy is amazing. And then I'd go to the frat house for some meeting or some party or whatever, and I'd literally get physically sick to my stomach. Go back home, read the Bible the next morning, peace of God on my life. Anytime I'm around the frat brothers, anything like that, like, like sick to my stomach. This goes on for four days. I guess I'm a slow learner. I finally was like, all right, Lord, I'm, take me now, you know? And I, guys, I dropped, that Friday, I dropped out of my fraternity. I just walked away from the whole deal. And that was 18 years ago. And I've been following Jesus with my whole life ever since. And he is only getting better and better and more satisfying and more fun and more amazing every year. And really, I had this task at that point in my life when I, when I said, yes, Jesus, I surrender to you. And it was, I had to actually relocate my life. This life that was built on this shifting sand, I had to relocate it onto the, the firm foundation of Jesus, the rock of Jesus. And I just got to stop for a second. I, I really feel like there are, there are one or two or a couple people in this room tonight that you're like hearing my story right now, and you're like, that's like me right now. Like maybe you came with a friend tonight or you hadn't been to church in a while, and I just want you to know that like God loves you. And he, like, wants to meet you guys in the middle of your mess. Like, he just met me in the middle of my mess. I mean, I was, like, way lost and really selfish and, and just really living for myself. And he's so gracious. He said that it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. I came to call the sinners. And he just called me out of it, right? If that's you and you're here tonight, man, I just want you to know, like, it is just a simple yes that starts the journey with Jesus, you know? It's just a simple yes. And so I just said yes. I said yes, Jesus. And, and I, I, there were two things as I was relocating my life. There were two things that were critical to that process. It's very simple. is I had to get around the people of God, and I had to get in the Word of God. Yeah. And as I did that, Guys, it radically transformed my life, like, like quickly, okay? I mean, now, I, look, we're always growing, and I still, there are things, deep things in my life that God's still unearthing, okay? I am by far finished on my journey with Jesus. But when I just sunk my life into the Word of God and surrounded myself with the people of God, it's like things started changing really fast. You know, in 1 Peter 2, it talks about, this idea of living stones. But before we get there, I love the way that Paul describes it in Galatians 4.19. Cause my life was like this, this rugged chunk of rock. In those early days, especially, there was a lot that needed to be chiseled off the corners of my life. There was something, there were things that needed to come off. And God was shaping me. And I love Galatians 4, Paul says, says this. He says, 
my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So every single one of us, like our destiny, your destiny, you're wondering, what's God's plan for my life? God's plan for your life is to have Christ formed in you. God's plan for your life is to look, for you to look like Jesus. And it really, you can be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, you can go to the nations or not. Like his plan for your life is for you to look like Jesus. And so my life was like this rugged rock and he, he began to shape me. And the cool thing is in 1 Peter 2, we see that this process though wasn't just about me. It was about something bigger that he was building. I want you all to check it out. In 1 Peter 2, it says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice. Okay, so what's going on here? There's two phrases in this passage I want to draw your attention to. The first one is the phrase, grow up, and the second one is the phrase, built up. You see, I have to grow up if we're going to be built up. You with me? You have to grow up in your salvation, in your maturity in God. You have to let him chisel you and shape you if we are going to be built up into this house that he's building because he's building something. He's building actually a spiritual house that Ephesians says where he wants to make the dwelling place of his spirit on the earth among his people. God wants to live among us and he's building something. But it's not just about you. It's never just about you. See, because he's shaping you for this place that he has for you in the wall. But, well... Man, that doesn't really fit right there. I guess we're going to need a little bit more chiseling. You see, there's a place in the wall for you, and there's a place in the wall for me, and it's never just about my personal journey. You see, my personal willingness to be shaped actually has corporate ramifications. Are you with me? So that's why we come to Jesus, and we take it serious when he says, we got to put away all this junk that corrupts our lives and steals our joy and damages our relationships. And y'all know what he's talking about. We got to put this stuff away because he's building a house on the earth and every stone is needed and you are needed. Are you with me? So the question then just becomes very simple for us as living stones. Have we surrendered to his shaping? Have we said yes to the chisel? And now, real talk, family, sons and daughters, brother, brothers and sisters. So it's week four of this series. We've been talking about this Living Stones. It's cool. We've got a fun new song we've been singing that we get to, you know, to sing about the gates of hell, won't prevail against the church. But it's week four. Sons and daughters of this house, this is where we say, are you in? Because whether you're here for another year or another four or whatever, you are needed in this house. And so are you in? to surrender to his shaping, to find your place in the building. That's what we're going after 
this morning. Some of you, you've already answered this question. Some of you, you need to answer it today. But God is doing something on the earth, in this city, in this church. And actually, he doesn't just want you, but he needs you to be a part of it. Because he's building something. He's building something. So what is the living stone? All right, flip to Romans 12, okay? We're going to get there. I see some like, hey, where's, is he going to start swinging this thing at me? No, I'm not going to swing this chisel at you, okay? But Jesus might later on, okay? So just prepare yourself to be chipped off a little. That's good stuff, okay? It's good stuff. So in Romans 12, we see a, a living stone, guys, I believe is a stone that's surrendered to be shaped. I believe that a living stone is somebody that adds to the building of his house, and, and really, I believe a living stone is a living sacrifice. We see this in Romans 12, a passage I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with, all right? He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Worship is so much more than, than the songs that we sing and the, the moments we have with the Lord in, in worship. It's a lifestyle of our of our lives on the altar. This is worship. And he says, he defines it, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't that a great question? What is the will of God? Have you ever asked that before? What's the will of God? Well, thankfully, he just like tells us, right? The will of God is, don't you love when the Bible just tells you, right? Here's the will of God, guys. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, real quick soapbox. We mess this up all the time. We misdefine the will of God all the time, right? I've done it. You've done it. It's like we're talking about what we're going to do this summer, and should we do an internship? Should I go to the nation? Should I move back home? Should I take some extra classes? I just don't know what God's will is for my summer. That you might be curious about what his plan is for your summer, and we get to search that out in relationship with God, but his will actually has nothing to do with your future. It has everything to do with your present. It actually just had to do with what pleases God today, what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. The will of God is simple, guys. It is just what pleases God. It's just what honors God. And so then the, the question becomes, then how do I know what the will of God is? How do I discern what the will of God is? Well, it's simple. By knowing the word. See, when you know the word of God, you actually will know the will of God. But if you're not familiar with the word of God, you're not going to be familiar with the will of God. It's like walking around, you forgot your glasses at home or something, and the whole world's kind of blurry. And you're looking around at everything going, uh, does that please God? I'm not sure. Is, is that honoring to him? What about that TV show? What about this place or thing that I'm doing? Is God really pleased? Is that really? Guys, I, I just need to tell you very clearly, like, there are things that do not honor God, that are not pleasing to him, that he does not like. And then there's a lot of things that bless him, that make him smile, and that honor him. And when we absorb and get our lives in this thing, those two categories actually become crystal clear. It's like you put on glasses, and everything gets clear, and you're like, oh, wow, 
God does not like that. Or, oh, wow, God does not like that. I should stop doing that. I should stop saying that. I should stop going there or this or whatever, thinking that. If you're not familiar with the word of God, you're not going to be familiar with the will of God. And so just like in the early days where I said I, I was relocating the foundation of my house onto a new foundation, it was simple. It was the people of God and it's the word of God. It was the people of God and it's the word of God. A living stone is a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice that is continually letting the word of God, the word of God bump up. This is actually the chisel. The word of God come up against you. You're not going to see sparks fly with this one, though, okay? But this is the chisel. A living stone has, has laid their life before God and has said, shape me, Lord. Chisel me. Make me like Jesus. Jesus was amazing. Do you know that that's who you're supposed to be as a follower of Jesus? You're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be like Jesus. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. And I will be the first to tell you, it's been a long journey that I am still on to try to look like Jesus, okay? And I just want to share a couple things that had to get chipped off of my life along the way, okay? Just so you know you're in good company today, all right? And all of these were from my, my college years, all right? So one of the first things that really had to get chipped off of my life was um, dishonesty and cheating. So my freshman year, I was in uh, petroleum engineering. I know, not the will of God for anybody's life, okay? <laughs> so I'm totally kidding. Hey, I actually did pretty good. I made a 4.0, but God got a hold of my heart and was like, hey, we, we got something else. So uh, you're, you're about to laugh at my 4.0 comment, Okay. I'm in physics 10 whatever my freshman year, and uh, I'd been, you know, this was like six or eight weeks after coming to Jesus, and um, this class was hard, and the tests were hard, and there was like 300 people in there, so I'm sitting in the back next to one of my good buddies, who apparently was still being chiseled himself, and we just would like cheat on the, the whole exam. Like, if I didn't know an answer, I would look at his paper, and if he didn't know an answer, I'd, he'd look at my paper, and man... The, the Spirit convicted me, began to convict me. The Word of God began to convict me. The people that I was starting, you know, I was in a little discipleship group with, I was like, guys, this is not okay. Jesus was like, yeah, Chris, this is not okay, man. This is, this is not who you are. This dishonest, this like cheating thing, that does not look like me. Can we get rid of it? And so it had to be chiseled off my life. How did it get chiseled off my life? By the Word of God and by the people of God. And I got a little bit more looking like Jesus. Well, then, you know, I'm like playing intramural football, and I grew up playing sports, and so I'm like ultra competitive, which is just another way of saying I'm ultra prideful, okay? So, or I was until Jesus took the chisel to me. So if you're just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so competitive, and, and look, there is a small sliver of sanctified competitiveness in the kingdom of God. But you probably got to be chiseled a long time, Mitchell Welch, to get all the way there, okay? So, so, in the words of Jeremy B.R., Mitchell is a great loser, actually, okay? One of my favorite all-time quotes. So, um, so I'm playing intramural football, 
And guys, I'm like a stinking maniac, right? Like somebody crosses me or something happens or there's a bad call on the field and I just would erupt, man, like a crazy person <laughs> over a football game. And I'm like, I remember the first time that this happened when, I, when, I, when Jesus changed my life and, and the spirit of God like convicted me. It's like, Chris, that is not, that is not how we do it, man. That is not Jesus. And so, man, this, this pride, this pride, this anger, it, it had to get just chiseled off of my life. You know, it, it had to come off. And Jesus was just chiseling me. And, I, and can I just be honest? The, the lust, the pornography, the sexual immorality, I mean, you think 18 years of being my own God, I wasn't wrapped up in all that stuff? And God in his kindness just so, so early was like, Chris, man, I've saved you from that. That is not how we do it. That is not who you are. That is not my will. That is not pleasing to me. That is not Jesus. And he shaped me. And he chiseled me. And he's still shaping me. Because he wants us, he wants me to look like Jesus. He's building something on the earth. He's building something amazing. But he needs stones, living stones, that will put themselves up on the daily altar, the living sacrifice, that will daily put themselves before the Lord and say, chisel me. God shaped me. You know, when I want you to envision this construction project that we've assembled up here, and, you know, this church, Antioch, is 10 years old this summer. And so the foundation has been poured. There's a few levels and layers of stones. God is building something in the city, and he's building something in this church. And it's amazing because every year, like wheelbarrows full of new stones, like come to this construction site. Actually, 65%, according to the survey we did in December, 65% of you guys have been at this church two years or less. Every year, just wheelbarrows of new stone, right? And God is, is building something. But the, the problem is, is that we, we have these new stones showing up and they're just, some are not willing to be shaped, you know? Or maybe it's that they don't know that they actually are needed in the wall. Or maybe it's that they don't believe that they have a place in the wall. I don't know. But all I know is that as long as we stay in the pile, two things happen. The first thing happens to, to the stone in the pile, and it's that they stay very disconnected from the building. They feel like, like disconnected, like they don't have a place. It's really just because maybe they don't know they have a place, or maybe they're not willing to be shaped to find their place. But the second thing that happens is that this structure actually is limited in how big it can be built. See what I'm saying? So again, your personal willingness to be shaped by God is not just about you. 
It's actually about what he's building. That's called being a part of a body, right? I mean, think about it. Think about, like, what's going on in your personal walk with God. Like, you bring that into this family. You bring that in. I mean, I, look, my wife and kids will tell you, when I'm doing good, okay, man, I bring that to our family, right? And it affects our entire house when I'm surrendered to the shaping of Jesus. But if, if I'm not doing so good or I haven't been, been really just digging in, spending time with Jesus, surrendering my life to him, daddy has some frustrating Saturdays or whatever, it affects the family. This is, this is family. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's actually not about how long you've been here. It has nothing to do with how long you've been here. It has everything to do with how willing you are to be shaped. You with me? That's it. And so today, I want to just, I want to, you guys have heard the story of Zacchaeus, right? The short guy that climbed up into the tree because he wanted to get a look at Jesus, you know? So I feel like today, like Jesus is inviting Zacchaeus out of the tree. Okay, so what I'm saying is, Zacchaeus, this guy was as lost as me, man. We probably would have been great friends, all right? He was a crook. He ripped people off, all right? But he heard Jesus was coming through his town, and he was like, maybe, maybe this miracle worker can do something in my life. And so he climbed up in a tree because he was curious. He climbed up in a tree because he said, hey, something's going on around this Jesus guy. I might take a look. A lot of people come to church, and they climb up in the tree. And they're like, oh, a lot of people worshiping around here. I wonder what they, what are, they, what are these guys doing? You know, but it's okay. Zacchaeus was curious, right? But I love it, man. Jesus in the story, it's amazing. He walks right to the base of Zacchaeus's tree and he looks up to him. He's like, hey, man, um, I want to have lunch at your house today. He invites himself over to have lunch, right? I'm coming over, man. And it's amazing, guys. He invites Zacchaeus out of the tree and into the house. That is the heart of God for every single one of us. And I really believe today, we saw it earlier this morning, and I believe here that some of you guys have have been up in the tree because God's doing something, and you're like, man, what is going on down there? And you know what? Jesus looks pretty cool from the tree. I bet he, you know, walking down the street, you know, there's like the miracle worker. Like, I bet he looked pretty cool from the tree. But as long as you're in the tree and you're looking at him from a distance, actually you remain unchanged. But what happens? He gets out of the tree, and instead of looking at Jesus from a distance, he sits across from a table, and he sees Jesus. From, he like shares a meal with Jesus from like this far away. Wow. And it like changed his whole life. He repented, and he 180 his life around because he sat at a table with Jesus. He didn't spectate from a distance. And it radically transformed. He went and fourfold repaid everything, everything that he had stolen. And so, man, Jesus is okay with you being on a journey. He's, I don't believe he's okay with you staying in the tree. And so I think there's a, a loving invitation from Jesus to get out of the tree and into the house. 
for some of us today. Because he's building something. He is building something. And there's a place for you in the house. And you're needed. You're wanted. It's really simple. It's a commitment to the people of God, and it's a commitment to the word of God. And that's really what I, what I hope the, the takeaway and the walk away from this message is that being a living stone is, is simply surrendering to the chisel, surrendering to be shaped by God. And the way that I do that is by just surrounding myself with his people and by diving into his word. So real quick, a couple things on that. We know that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, right? You guys have heard that verse. We know that, you know, there's the man that built his house on the solid rock and built his house on the shifting sand, right? You've heard this, that, wait, I'm talking about the word of God. I got mixed up in my notes. Hold on. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. We're talking about the people of God. Sorry, I got I got ahead of myself. The people of God, iron sharpens iron, and he who walks with the wise becomes wise, right? So I want to actually show you a couple of photos that I think are going to blow our minds a little bit. Look at this first picture of these rocks. These are just raw stones taken out of some riverbed somewhere, right? And they're just unshaped, unpolished, okay? Now, let's look at this quick video. Look what happens when they go into the tumbler, all right? I just want you to watch this real quick, 15 seconds. Check this out. Well, let's turn it on and start adding some water. Okay, so this is actually like what life group is supposed to be, okay? This is life group. You get into a tumbler with a bunch of other rocks. That dark stuff in there is grit. It's like a coarse material that they put in there. I think that grit is the word of God, okay? It's a little abrasive, you know? It kind of needs to be. And then he's pouring water in there, right? I'm like, oh, I bet that's the Holy Spirit, you know? So it's like you get into a tumbler called life group. You know, some of you guys are like, man, some of the people in my life group really agitate me. Like, that's actually what they're supposed to do to make you look more like Jesus, you know? That is community. You get in a tumbler with a bunch of other rocks, okay? You get the Word of God in there. You get the Spirit of God in there. You tumble around for seven or eight days or a couple years or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. Look at what these rocks, look what these rocks are on the inside. Look at what they come out as on the other side of the tumbler. Do you know that that is who you are inside? You are a new creation, man. You are, you, there, Jesus is inside of you. We just gotta get the stuff off the outside. We just gotta get shaped, chiseled, polished, so that you shine like Jesus. Are you with me? We gotta jump into the tumbler. So, I, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be just unashamed. After service, there's gonna be some life group leaders up here. It's like, if you're not in a life group, if you haven't checked one out yet and you've been coming around for a couple months, today's your day. Jump in the tumbler because God has so much more for you. So much more for you, all right? And then, you know, one of the ways that we don't just get to connect as a family, you know, life groups like family dinner, you know, like I sit with my kids and we, we have a good time. We connect. The crowd gets a lot smaller at life group. But we also have to clean up around my house a lot. We've got four kids. And so families don't just connect together in life group. They actually, everybody's got to contribute. And that's just part of it. And trust me, I got three boys. As soon as they could start walking, I like gave them jobs. Okay, we've got a workforce now. 
And so we can knock it out. We can knock, my, my, I got twins, they're three. They're three and a half years old. They put the dishes away, all right? I'm like, these boys, they're gonna, look, I'm gonna love them, I'm gonna snuggle them, we're gonna be in the family together, but they're gonna contribute because that's what family is. And so some of you guys maybe need to jump in and contribute and there's gonna be another opportunity right after service if you're saying, hey, I wanna find a place to serve this family, then in the, in the big room, I believe, there's going to be 15 minutes right after this for you to check out all the different opportunities to be a part of this community. I think there's a few up on the screen. But it's simple stuff, guys. It's like, it's just actually being a part of the building really matters, you know? Really matters. So here's how we're going to close. We, we, need the, we need the people of God, and we need the Word of God. The Word of God the lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. We know that everyone who hears the words and, and does them, right, is like the man that builds his house on a rock. We're doers of the word. We're not hearers. We don't, we don't read the, the Bible like we scroll through Instagram, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? You just kind of surface, you just kind of scroll, and nothing's actually getting in you. Well, a lot of stuff's getting in you. None of it's very good. You're just staying on the surface, and hey, oh, wow, that's a nice-looking taco. Okay, I should probably check that place out. Oh, hey, oh, she's got a new boyfriend. Okay, weird. Um, you know? Oh, you know, Bethel's got another album. Sweet. You know, you're just kind of like, right? Please don't read the Bible like that, right? Please don't read the Bible like you skim through Instagram. Oh, cool, David uh, killed a giant today, and oh, he wrote another song. Awesome. Um, Jesus... Jesus healed somebody. I wonder if he still does that. Oh, oh, cool. You know, weird stuff happening in Revelation. Oh, nightmares. You know, like, we don't read the Bible. We don't read the Bible like we scroll through Instagram. Guys, we read the Bible with the chisel in our hand. And we say, Lord, make me like Jesus. It's what I was made for. And guys, I get it. It's, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it is uncomfortable. But I promise you that if you will hold the chisel and say, God, I'm going to help you on this one, it's right here. If you will hold the chisel and cooperate with him, I promise it will be less uncomfortable than if he's got to pin you down and say, trust me, you want this out of your life. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. Surrender to the chisel. Let, him, let it do its work, okay? So the band's going to come up. Guys, we are doers of the word. We are not hearers. And so even tonight, even tonight, we're going we're gonna to practice this together. There's a, an invitation for us tonight to just open ourselves to be chiseled by the word of God. Because, guys, he is, he is building something. He is building something on the earth. And you are not only wanted, but you are needed in this spiritual house. And there are some things, guys, there are some things that, that have to be chiseled off of our lives. There's stuff that's got to come off if we're going to fit and be a part of what he's building. And it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth it, and the invitation is, is simple. The invitation is from James 
chapter 1, he says, in humility, we receive the word. In humility, we receive the word implanted. We don't just hear the word and then walk away and forget what it says. We receive the word and we become doers of the word. And this is one of those Sundays where like everybody gets to respond, okay? Because, I mean, looking around the room, like I don't see Jesus in here. None of you look like Jesus yet. None of us are Jesus yet. So that means we're all being chiseled. And so the, I think the prayer team is going to come up. Are we doing that here or we're we doing that next? Okay, cool. Not yet. So, so what we're going to just literally, we're literally just going to put ourselves before the word of God. And we're going to let, we're going to let it chisel us. Well, actually, I don't know if you're going to let it chisel you or not, because like nobody can strong arm you or, or force you. That, I think that's why we're not having the prayer leaders up here. Because honestly, like, this is just, this is to be between you and, and God. Right? Like, are, are you, he, it's, not, it's not us. He's inviting you. He's like, will you let me shape you? Will you humble yourself before me and let me chisel you some? so the invitation is that we would just humble ourselves. And so here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm just going to read seven verses. I'm going to read seven verses from Ephesians 4 and 5. And we're just going to invite the Spirit of God to convict us and to chisel us. Okay? You guys okay? So um, I just, if, you're, if you are willing I just want you to just in your, in your heart, in your mind, just posture your heart and humble. God says, the word of God says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may exalt you. I want you to know the promise on the front end that he doesn't call you to humble yourself into the dust just to leave you there. He calls you to humble yourself because he wants to shape you to make you look like Jesus, this polished radiant stone so that he can actually exalt you and put you in his building somewhere. But it's an invitation. And so you get to say, yes, Lord, I humble myself before you today. If you're willing, you get to pick up the chisel and say, Lord, I'm here and I'm willing to be shaped. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Spirit of conviction, would you just, would you convict us where corruption has come out of our mouths? Will you, will you convict us, Lord, where we've grieved your spirit with our speech?
you make us look like Jesus. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as in Christ, God forgave you. God, search our hearts, Father, where there's bitterness or, or anger or unforgiveness, Lord, we just say, would you expose it and would you, would you chisel it? Would you chisel it off us, Lord? Lord, I even just repent. I repent to you for the moments in the past week where I've reacted to my sons in anger and not responded in patience, Jesus. You're slow to anger. Make me like you, Jesus. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Lord, may we be people that give ourselves away. Would you search out any just selfishness, Lord, and entitlement in our lives, Lord, and make us imitators of Jesus that, that walk in love and and lay down our lives as a sacrifice, an offering to you and to others. I just want us to all ask the Lord to, to highlight if, if there's an area in, in our lives where we're consistently acting um, out, out, of, out of selfishness, that he would be so kind as to show it to us right now. Just ask him, Lord, if you're willing, highlight, highlight to me, Lord, where I've walked in selfishness. Jesus, make us like you. say yes to your chisel. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Holy Spirit, we just, we repent. We repent for any ways, Lord, that we've partnered with sexual immorality, Lord, in our thoughts, and our minds, Lord, in our actions, and our choices. And Jesus, Jesus, would you cleanse us, God? Would it not even be named among us, God? Would it not even be named among us, Lord? Would you give us the grace to walk in such purity like you walked in purity, Jesus? 
even though the scripture says that God is opposed to the proud do you know that he gives grace to the humble do you know that it is in this place of humility where the blood of Jesus pours out as an offering it's in this place I just want you to know that the only thing the only thing that keeps us that keeps us from him is pride our sin actually draws us close to him if we humble ourselves, it is pride that keeps us at a distance. So even now, as the, as the word of God is convicting us, I just remind you of the grace of the cross, the grace of Jesus poured out, the blood. This is why we gather. This is why we live. This is why a broken, burnt out, 18-year-old frat kid became a new creation, actually got born again, actually was transformed, and that's why he's doing it in your lives. It's through the blood of Jesus. We humble ourselves. As we humble ourselves.